Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends. Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. That's me. And the rather ingenious... Mr. Ped Watt of Watt Design <laughs> Photography. That would be me as well. In studio. Makes it so much easier to harass you. <laughs> we are coming to you from the Driven Radio Studios. And I honestly, I didn't even go outside today. It was all right. It, it, it was, wasn't too hot. As it muddy. rained. It was it, overcast. It, 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 storm, it rained. Yeah. It was overcast. It rained. It was over. That was it. No, it that was, was nice. It. But uh, as long as it's rainy and overcast, it's not 117 degrees out. Bingo. So I'm good with it. Our special guest this week is the aforementioned Mr. Watt, brilliant photographer, friend of the show, and as well as one of my best friends. He is fresh back from France where he covered both. Well, we'll get to that real quick. He's spent a, a, quite a bit of time over there, and I wanted to make sure I got him while he was still, uh, while the trip was still fresh in his mind. Ped, welcome home. Welcome back to Driven Radio. Thank you. It's nice to be back in the States. You know, hamburgers. I had hot dogs for dinner. Good man. Um, Good choice. I, I, I miss some processed, horrible for-you for food. <laughs> I, I'm I'm guessing the French don't have the same view of fast food we do. What is it, that uh, Le Chien Foie? So if basically, if it has a corn syrup in it, it's not allowed in Europe. Oh. oh. So uh, no McGriddles at McDonald's. Okay. Well, that's, that's probably a good thing. They don't do our like sausage at mcdonald's so if like you want a uh, uh mcmuffin you can get an egg hamburger mcmuffin oh oh um, i'll take that well, that's a breakfast cheeseburger is what that is yeah, yeah basically yeah but it's on a mcmuffin <laughs> but so it's on a crepe yeah so um <laughs> had a lot of crepes but yeah no um yeah they definitely don't um view junk food properly over there <laughs> <laughs> Le crap. there's a reason it's junk Food. <laughs> you were gone for a long time, man. You were gone the almost the entire month of June. Wow. Uh, so actually the entire month of June. So we were on the ground for 32 days. We flew out June 1st and landed back in the States July 4th. Wow. Well, I thought you I thought you were here for a couple days during June. I didn't realize you were gone the whole month. Yep. What's it like being in a foreign country for more than a whole month? Um, so surprisingly, you, um, you learn a lot. Um, <laughs> I thought so, you were unteachable. So, so uh, obviously, like, you know, the French have the reputation of rude and blah, blah, blah towards foreigners. And what I really discover is they're really sweet people. If you take in consideration, the French are really good and really efficient at doing exactly what they want to be doing right now. Okay. So if they're at lunch, that's what they want to be doing. So they're going to be really good at it and take two and a half hours. And they're not on their phones. And they're not on their phones. And they're not, and they're paying attention to each other. And if you're walking down the sidewalk, um, they're really good at getting exactly where they want to go. That means cutting you off. It means cutting you off. They're not meaning to be rude. They just need to get to Macy's. Okay. <laughs> Macy's. Um, okay. You do um, Macy's. And you translate that further. Like I drove in Paris while I was there, which um, standing on the sidewalk is quite intimidating because it's Cause uh, that's where you were driving <laughs> it would have been easier because Americans. uh uh the Parisian traffic they keep on deleting parking spots and 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 uh driving lanes to make more and more bike lanes and so forth they're trying to become a bike city uh, we so the traffic yeah. is uh <clears throat> french drivers are by far and away the most aggressive drivers i've ever drove amongst really but worse than dallas at rush hour Worse than Dallas at rush hour. But there's a caveat. They are also the politest drivers I've ever interacted what? with. But so you're rich. But if you're Wait. so w when you're on a two lane street, which is actually a four lane because there's room, um, and you're in the far left lane, you need in the far right lane, if you'll throw your blinker on, they'll make freaking space for you. Wow. As long as you communicate where you're going, they'll help you be efficient getting there. If you don't communicate, they're going to be efficient going where they need to be. I you wonder ever, how the French see Johnson County. I was about to say that. <laughs> you ever been on I-35 at rush hour trying to get home on yeah. 151st Street? So, oh, hell no. No, no they, people no. want to kill you. No. Yeah. Don't you. use your blinker. That's just letting them know where to drive. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how all that chaos works in Paris where they, you know, they have the roundabout around the Arc de Triomphe. That's literally 12 roads going into one roundabout. Jesus. And that aggression plus that politeness allows you to have that 
Here in the States, we just run each other over. Like it would That's not why work. you want to watch the Fort John Wick movie this weekend, is because you want to see how they did that around the Arctic. <laughs> oh, my God. Going down south, you get into southern Missouri, where I've got some family, and when you talk about a roundabout, all they see is Satan's ass. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it is an evil that they should be able to escape from. And I'm like, no, uh-huh. these things actually work. No, where's your stoplight? There's no stoplight. You just pay attention. I know I got a four-wheel drive Silverado <laughs> with an 18-inch lift on it. Watch this. <laughs> I might have drove over the middle of the uh, roundabout while I was there, but it didn't have anything tall, and I wanted to go straight, and there was no traffic, and it was 2 o'clock in the morning, so I went straight. You used that fountain as a car wash, did you? I'm pretty sure they can't get you here. They'll yeah, wait until you come back. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I have some speeding tickets in the mail that have not arrived yet, so. Don't. What, what I couldn't translate them. I don't know anybody who speaks French. Do you speak any French? Um, Do you speak bon- more now than you did? No, I, I speak horrible, horrible, like three or four words, like bonjour, which I'm saying horribly wrong. But it was, it was a good enough attempt that as long as long as I said it, they appreciate it. That's been my understanding that as long as you try. Yeah. French is this Spanish, but speak it like you're drunk. <laughs> it's just it's, speaking in cursive it, yeah. it is it is a romance language if you know enough spanish to get by you can figure out french and italian and a bunch of other stuff well that was my hideous mistake in high school because i i could have taken uh spanish or french and i took french why because stupid, i am eh? not at you know all how much surprised. i've used that i haven't not none. well whose fault is it that you haven't traveled where you could use it oh that's fate and perhaps piss poor planning louisiana is that far away yeah, <laughs> you go Quebec. They speak no, yeah, quite a yeah, bit there. Yeah, I was there. about to uh, say. Why were you there? So since uh, I saw the Twenty Four Hours of Le Mans the first time on well parts of it the first time on TV when I was ten, uh, really helped me fall in love with sports cars. Uh, that was twenty eight years ago. Uh huh. Uh-uh. Liar. No, it was I'm thirty eight. Ten minus thirty eight. Is twenty eight. Anyways, um, so it had been a long time bucket list. Um, this was the hundredth year of the twenty four hours wow. of Le Mans, the ninety second so running. That was the significance. Yes. So um, we decided instead of buying a sports car this year, we'd go to France in the twenty four hours of Le Mans. Um, oh no! Did you? Did you? Did you kill your your nest egg for that? I I used my next nest egg and it's already starting to be rebuilt. The sports car is on schedule for next year. Okay. Okay. But um, are you we, still hunting the same sports car? I'm still actively chasing AMG GTS, which they're finally coming down. So um, with the prices coming down, that's and okay. There'll be a year, spike around Christmas. There'll be a spike around Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, I got a 300D to buy between now and then. Anyways, it had been a long time dream, a long time goal to go to the 24 hours of Mon. We knew for the 100th year they would do stuff that they would never do again. Yeah. And it's the first year of the hypercar uh, at Le Mans. Well, arguably the second year, but the first year fully, like, full class so when major you, competition. When you say hypercar for those who aren't initiated. So at Le Mans um, this year, and normally there's between two and four classes at Le Mans. This year there were three classes racing during the 24 hours of Le Mans at the same time. So Le Mans hypercars are the, well, technically four. Le Mans hypercars, uh, which are the top tier prototypes, um, mm-hmm. they don't have a road equivalent. Um, although the manufacturers are supposed to make something out of the technology and put it on the road. Okay. There's Le Mans Daytona hypercars, which are the uh, Daytona Nice or the uh, IMSA version of the hypercar rules. Um, so they can run both WEC here, I mean IMSA here in the states. NWC World Endurance Challenge around the world. Okay. Um, and then there's LMP2, which is Le Mans Pro- Prototype 2, which was the last generation of Le Mans top tier. And then this is the last year of GTE, which is um, like your ni- Porsche 911 RSRs and so forth. Uh, starting next year, it will be GT3, which is a more universally raced um, spec. So we're expecting a large manufacturing because so, they already run those at IMSA, uh, European Le Mans, and so, so forth. Last year for the Corvette also in GTE, and they're moving them to GT3. Yep. So the new uh, Z06 that they revealed this year, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, will be the GT3 car that runs next year in the WEC. Yeah, I think the uh, standard Stingray would have it an awful tough time keeping up in that crowd. Um, there's a lot of money spent on the cars that go to Le Mans. <laughs> a lot of money spent on the car. So it would definitely have some challenges yeah. uh, to overcome. How many days did you spend at the track? Oh, God. Um, so we got to France on Friday. Uh, Saturday, we went to scrutineering where they um, lift the cars up, measure everything, weigh everything. do. Uh, and that's, that's a public 
Yeah, that's know? done in the uh, Republic uh, Square in Le Mans, and it's a free event. They do it publicly. It's really cool. Um, because they, they do, would never do it that way here. They wouldn't. Um, so one not thing, a chance. One of the things the WC and Le Mans before WC uh, Le Mans became part of the WC, uh, Le Mans and sports car racing in general has always been about access. Um, so they do the scrutineering in the public. It's kind of a gift back to the town for hosting the race, and it's cool because you know they they measure everything. Um, and one of the really 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 neat things they've done I've never seen done publicly is they take a crane and they hook it to the lift point and they lift every car, yeah. making sure the lift point works. Yeah, and I've never seen them do that in front of a crowd. And it was, I mean, other than a wrecked car, obviously. Uh, but that was really cool. Um, and obviously, um, we'll talk about more. But with credentials, I was able to go inside the barrier so I didn't have to stand among the 100,000 people <laughs> in the square, uh, which was also really nice. Thank you, Brett. Um uh, you want to explain why you're thanking me for that, for those so, who don't so, know. Uh, so, um, Brett, um, with a lot of bribery and a couple of bottles of wine and some <laughs> liquor and stuff over the years, was kind enough to uh, sponsor my media uh, credential size, covering the parts of the event for Driven Radio and their and their and Driven fate, Media. And, and we Driven thank media. you for that. Nice. Um, so, so that was Saturday. So Sunday was test uh, was test day. So we were at track Sunday. Monday we fucked around. Uh, Tuesday, they opened the track back open to open track. Uh, we actually decided not to go to the track on Tuesday. We ran over, I'm going to say it horribly wrong. The French people are going to send me hate mail, catch my house on fire. Uh, <laughs> Nance, I think is how you say it, where Jules Verne was born. There's a guy over there doing steampunk. He has like a four, uh, steampunk like creations. So he has like a four story elephant that walks. Oh, wow. And it's, uh, oh, cool. like the skin of it's, uh, carved wood, but under it, you've got like a, have you ever seen uh, Wild Wild West with uh, Will Smith? Yes. Yeah. So the, the 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 spider. Yeah. Think of that as an elephant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was we ran over I there. I want to see those pictures too. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll send you some. Um, we ran over there. He has a carousel. Unfortunately, we were on National Strike Day, uh, so nothing was like we couldn't ride them, but we got to see them. It was um, they were really friendly. It's just they couldn't because of strike. Um, and then we did some shopping and lunch and so forth. Um, Wednesday, we went back to the track for qualifying. Uh, Thursday, track for qualifying. Um, spent some uh, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, I spent a lot of time on track uh, photographing. Um, my, and so that Friday. Were, were you able to get back along the Mole Sand Strait at all? So um, the answer is to any question of were you able to is yes. Okay. Did you... What was the fastest thing you saw going down the Mulsanne Street? Um, so I would have to look at the Zach uh, lap times, but I mean, it could easily have been the Porsche 962, the 9X3 uh, by Pujo. It could have been the 599 by Ferrari, which is what it probably was because they got pole. Um, so they're running 210, 220 through there. Jeez. And so uh, all along the Mulsanne Street, for those that don't know, the Mulsanne Street is not open to the public. You're not allowed um, it's not a public area. You, if you're not a marshal, a photographer, or have a going concern, or someone that's willing to pay a ridiculous amount of money, you're not allowed near. Well, Cash the, always talks. Cash. Uh, so a lot of the hospitality, we'll talk about hospitality here in a little bit. All, a lot of the hospitality packs had, there's a house by the first chicane, mm -hmm. and the um, ACO, which is who puts on the 24 hours of Le Mans, rents that house out, and then they have a, Part of your hospitality, they, you have champagne at a table at that house, and you watch them come into the champagne. Oh, that's chicane. terrible. Yeah, it's horrible. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. I, I will tell you, it's much more boring on the outside of the fence than standing inside the fence watching the people drink the champagne while you have a 599, you know, locking up coming into the chicane. Um, that, that, I mean, it's good access, but it's not a photographer's access. Anyways, but yeah, the entire straight, uh, it's all open to photographers. There's portions that are called red zones where we, we can't stop. We have to keep walking, but there are quite a few. It's very, compared to what I was expecting, it's very open. If it was American track, I would, it would be completely different. So the photographer, the media access got you to about everything um so at my level um our level if you will mm -hmm. um pretty much everything the only thing that really didn't give us access to continuous was inside the garage uh not inside the garage to the hot pit in front of the garages we could go in the garages 
up to what the red line, the pit line. Mm-hmm. Um, for those, they had uh, vests that we could borrow. Um, if we weren't WC annual card holders or from Auto Week and shot there for 10 years, uh, you don't get continuous. Um, but you're from Driven Media. Well, you know, <laughs> that got me the credentials. I wasn't going to stand are you the pretty little French lady. Okay. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, um, with that, you just have to schedule what time that you want. the, And you have to do a full fire shoot um, and uh, uh, like an impact helmet while, wow. you're, um, while you're on pit lane itself. Now, without that, you can go to the fire line, the red line at the end of the garage. And shoot from there. But if you cross over the marshals, you cross over twice, they send you back and pull your vest. So how close to the action is that red line? So that red line, um, depending on how well the guy pulls in, in general, it's about four or five feet. No kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, when they pull in, they're pulling pretty close because they want to pull in as close as possible. If they have to go up on the jacks and roll into the garage, it's not as far to roll. Wow. Oh, um, wow. So you really were right, right there. there. Um, yeah. So when I was shooting on the models on straight, I mean, literally you have the car, you have about two feet, you have a, a Jersey wall, which is not going to do anything or flip the car over on top of you. And then you have you. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's very, um, there's a reason it's very restrictive on who they approve. Um, the reason they want previous works to prove that you have, you've done this and you're responsible. Um, because it is, um, there is no understating how dangerous, overstating how dangerous motorsport photography is at that level. Oh, absolutely. So that was Wednesday. Thursday? It was Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Friday, I um, I hung up my media credentials. I had a cousin come in uh, for the race. We hung out. Uh, Friday they did the hundredth year celebration. Oh, very cool. So in the museum they had sixty five previous winners plus twenty one historic cars. So when I say historic cars, like one of them was the um, the Renault that won the index of performance that didn't win the overall index of performance. That don't know is a uh, per, um, an efficiency award. Okay. So the one they had in the museum was the lowest um, uh, displacement engine that's ever ran at Le Mans. So it used the least amount of fuel, uh, fuel. fuel fuel over the twenty four hours for X distance. Wow. Uh, that's the reason, like, the 50s, uh, 40s and 50s, you had the really low displacement cars. They were going after index of performance because they were, like, uh, Renault and, like, small car manufacturers were mm-hmm. building a big, you know, 250 GTO. didn't make sense because it wasn't their market. Um, so, anyways, they pulled a portion of those cars out of the museum, uh, brought them on the track, did a classic Le Mans start, and then did a partial lap with them. No kidding. And what was so running start from one wall to the other? Yeah, and what was really cool about that is Jackie X was there, uh, which historically and famously um, is the reason we no longer do the Monster. I believe it was seventy two. He protested, walked to his car, put his seatbelt on, uh, very slowly closed the door, and then pulled out, and then wound up winning the race because everybody would run across, jump in their car, take off, maybe get their seatbelt on while they were running a lap, maybe not. A lot of drivers through the fifties and sixties and came into the first pit after their stits without their without their seat belts on. Well, and a lot wow. of them didn't wear seat belts anyway because uh, they would rather be able to get out of the car if it caught fire, which was pretty common. Yeah. Well, if you hit walls with that much fuel, you're gonna catch fire. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the the cars there wasn't much to them. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what was really cool is. Um, because Jackie was there, and he was one of them walking, uh, running, doing the Le Mans start. Uh, he reacted his protest. He um, no kidding. He tried it, strolled across very slowly. Strolled across. He got the car. He waved to the crowd. He slowly <laughs> lowered himself into the car. He set his seatbelt. He started the car, and then he drove off. Now, mind you, all he's this is a '70s car, and we've been racing six twenty three. So there were probably twenty of the winners that had already pulled away when Jackie finally got around to pulling out of his spot it was really it was a really cool really emotional reenactment oh cool um, so then of course saturday morning uh we got up um saturday and sunday was mostly spectator life for me i'll be honest um i've been looking forward to it most of my life and uh so i had all the images but, most of the images i needed before you get to that uh-huh where were you staying oh <sighs> So um, part of the tradition of Le Mans is you camp at Le Mans. Uh, yeah. the, the English invade from the north. 
And, <laughs> and uh, they and so Le Mans a city I, I have to look up, but I think it's about hundred thousand. There were three hundred twenty five thousand spectators this year at God, the race. It's a big to do. And then add probably realistically fifty to seventy thousand support staff. When you think Michelin shows up with eleven thousand tires to support the race, wow! And that's just the primary race. Yeah. It takes literally an army to make it work. Sure. Uh, so we were camping. Uh, we we went through a company called Travel Destinations uh, and Glamped. And when I say Glamp, don't overread that. That's them setting up the tent and providing the beds and all the sheets and stuff. So we didn't have to find that stuff once we got to France. But we were camping down by what's called the Porsche Curves. We were on the inside of the Porsche Curves. We're in a van by the river. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, and then behind us is, uh, I'm not even going to butcher the French, but they call it BSJ, which is the largest public campsite. And the uh, guys from Belgium kept the techno going 24-7. Oh, God. And the guys... I'm, I'm sure a, you found that horribly offensive. Horribly offensive. Horribly offensive. <laughs> and then the... Uh, uh, everybody blames the guys from Germany, so I'm going to blame the guys from Germany. Someone b- brought some serious artillery fireworks, and we oh, had um, the fireworks going off in the campsite. Far out did the fireworks put on by the ACO during the it's race. It's nice, <laughs> nice to know there are rouge necks all across the world. Well, you you also have to understand, and that's this is the next question. Describe the area surrounding and inside the track because it's not like indy when indy 500 which is the single largest motorsports event in the united states is and i've i've been it is redneck heaven boy you got an rv and you've got that thing loaded with pbr just drive right on into the infield lamar puts that to shame so for scale um, might help people. Uh, so Le Mans, a lap of it's 8.5 miles. Yeah. Uh, Indy, wow. Indy's two and a half. Inside wow. of Le Mans, there is a village. Inside the circuit, there's a village. There is a um, national-level soccer complex. There's a national-level horse complex. There's farms. There is a full 18-hole golf course. I could literally put Circuit of America, the Road America, Road Atlanta, Indy 500, and Manhattan, inside. probably not. Probably not Manhattan. That's probably overreach. But all the rest of those inside the track. That's insane. Like literally from our campsite, which was at the Porsche Curves, in the middle to the grandstands was a twenty-five minute walk. Oh my god! Like every morning, uh, <laughs> it is insanely um, huge. And so you have within the track, you have um, campsites which house probably 100,000 people. Uh, within, But there's an area that's fenced that's the public spectating area, and there's areas that are non-public spectating, which is like the Mausland Strait and so forth. Um, but, yeah, the track literally strand, uh, spans from Le Mans to Mausland, which is at the end of the Mausland Strait, and to Arnage, which is another village, which is at Arnage Corner. They're really creative with the naming conventions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it is beyond massive. It, uh, like I, I knew it was massive. I did a bunch of training for the walking and so forth because we averaged like twenty-two miles a day of walking. Wow, all over the track and area and so forth. So like it was, but yeah. And there's oh, there's three golf uh, uh, go kart courses inside, like <laughs> world class. They do a twenty-four hours of Le Mans go kart event at a different like with shadow uh, shifter cars. Very cool. So what else is going on there? I know I've seen a giant Ferris wheel there. Uh, um, so there's restaurants. Uh, there's and- re- there's a vendor village uh, that will sell you everything you imagine, including uh, commissioning paintings. No, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, there's there's <laughs> he had uh, something painted. Yeah, well, it's being painted. Um, there is the uh, RM had their auction house inside of it this year. Um, the vendor, uh, the manufacturer village where they bring out and show their future cars and give out swag. There's restaurants like not, I'm not saying like, you know, a little trailer with some food. I'm talking restaurants, like proper restaurants that they set up temporarily for the race. Applebee's? Well, no. a little bit nicer than that. Chili's. Uh, Got it. There is, um, two carnivals branson yeah uh there's two carnivals going uh there's concerts every night there's fireworks on friday and saturday night 
There's um, on part of the old the Bugatti circuit, which is the the uh, full time circuit that doesn't include the public roads. Part of that club, they do um, silent movies. So uh, kind of like silent dancing, they give you the headset and then the movies on the screen. Um, There's three or four techno parties going, official techno parties, not including the ones in the freaking camps. (laughs) Thank you, Belgians. Uh, Thank you, Belgians. Uh, But and then outside of that, like the community, you've unless you've been and I'm sure there's a couple other races like this in the world, maybe Monaco. uh, I've never been to a race where the town threw so many parties like there was car shows every day. Uh, there was uh, every one of the, uh, not every one of, but most of the shops in town had like merchandise, like uh, not necessarily for that race, but around cars, even like the optometrist had like posters you could buy. Like everyone in town got excited and got involved in the race. It was, there was always something to do. And then of course there's tours. Uh, the cathedral there is the Plangenic uh, line, King line for England. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes from. Um, also has the oldest stained glass window in the world. So like there's old town Le Mans, which is literally ancient beyond belief. And then there's the racetrack and the, the, and the bakeries. Oh my God, the bakeries. <laughs> do, you a, do you need a moment? I need a moment. Uh, <laughs> I will admit after 21 days of croissants and almond croissants and pain to chocolates and so forth, I broke down and went to McDonald's, but in general, um, <laughs> but the McDonald's isn't even the same. No, Lord, no. You can't get a McGirdle to save your life. They'd rather shoot you than give you corn syrup. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so all the parties, all the food, all the stuff going on, and everything else. But then it comes down to Saturday at four o'clock. Yeah. So there's actually cool shit that happens before that, though. Oh, well, tell me. <laughs> so tell you, me, man. I want to There's more. But there's support races. Um, and then that morning they did demos of the, um, like the, um, so Bugatti raced in 1923 in the original race. Not technically the same Bugatti that we have now, but that's a whole different argument. Um, but they did a demo uh, laps of the Bugatti Balvia or whatever the current. Bullet. Bullet, Yeah. Uh, they did demo laps of that. They did demo laps of uh, Apollo IEs, a couple oh. of those. They did a demo lap of the new, uh, which we've seen several times, the P-72. Um, the Pantera. There we go. Thank you. Um, and then some of us that paid enough to buy another wife um, got to do uh, hot laps on the track with a professional Porsche driver. Really? Uh, yeah. So... Um, 182 down the Maslon Strait. It doesn't take long. <laughs> and my guy was uh, uh, about 24, and the guy in front of us driving was about 35. And they, uh, my guy was a late breaker, and the guy in front of us wasn't. So every time we came up oh. corner, I'm like, pass him, pass him. You got him. Get him, get him. He wouldn't. But we, I tried. I encouraged. Uh, but apparently they were told no passing. But so we hit 100. Is a buck 82 as fast as you've ever gone in a car? My mom listens to the show. Can I not answer? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a buck 1994 eight. Chevy uh, Cobalt. Uh, I will say a buck eighty-two is, I think, the fastest I've ever went in a car with someone else driving. Yeah, I know who owns <laughs> the car you did more than 182 in. So, moving on. <laughs> Every Saturday morning um, since 1955 is they hold a memorial service mm-hmm. at the point on the wall where the Jaguar went into the crowd. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And so during the races, there's white roses that are mounted um, at that memorial during the entire race. Does Mercedes pay for it all? I, I have no clue who pays for it. So um, between Mercedes and Jaguar, one of them should be footing that bill. I think they should both be footing that bill. Yeah. So um, after that, uh, of course, you then uh, Saturday, um, me being spoiled right I am, uh, we had a hospitality suite in what's called the Panoramic Tower, which is uh, ACO controls the center um, grandstand on the front straight. Mm-hmm. Above that, um, in the really shiny windows and the balcony above that, um, is the Panoramic Tower. And so we, we, uh, we watched the start of the race from the balcony that overlooks the front straight. Um they treat us really well. I can't recommend it enough. You're going to the Mon, drop the money. It's as expensive as your plane ticket, but you don't want to be in the crowd of 325,000 people no. trying to overlook, no. look over other no. people. The great unwashed masses. Yeah. Uh, you want to be standing on the balcony with a with a um, really nice waitress that right before the start brings you caviar and champagne. 
Wow. Yeah, that's terrible. I yeah, feel, it, it was horrible. I, I, so, I, I um, feel horrible. You've been so oppressed. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 I'm telling you, we didn't do anything on this trip that, uh, well, basically I showed up and said, here's my wallet. Let, let me have it back in 32 days. <laughs> this is much thinner than I remember. Let me know if I need to transfer some money out to cover that. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so after the start of the race, uh, my wife pulled a dirty trick with uh, about Taylor Swift, but, you know, it was fair. Um, we, we did a helicopter ride over the track. About would, s- would you like to elaborate on the dirty Taylor Swift trick? No, no, because I like being married. Um, <laughs> I want to know about a dirty Taylor Swift. I, I'm, I'm, kid you. I'm thinking somebody got to, to go to Taylor Swift and with really great seats. She did. And, uh, we really enjoyed it. Um, uh, <laughs> Taylor is a fantastic. All joking aside, uh, Taylor Swift is probably the entertainer of our generation. She's not the singer of our generation, but definitely the entertainer of our generation. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's selling out 80, 160 quarter million tickets oh, per she, city. She rocked it here in uh, Kansas City. Yeah. I mean, they were a couple of nights were sold out. Yeah, two nights, 80,000 a night. I was on the uh, I on was the a little field. disappointed when she didn't do Freebird, though. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyways, uh, we did the helicopter right before sunset, um, and then I went back to shooting for a while, and then we went and we watched, uh, because some asshole bought grandstand, grandstand tickets all over the place. We went and watched the race from a couple different places, stayed up to about 3 o'clock, um, went and slept in the hospitality suite because it was closer and walking to the uh, tent, <laughs> um, got up about 5 o'clock, um, and went and, well, I woke up, Kim probably up to about 6 30 or so wow um but i got up at five i'm like hey i'm gonna sunrise dunlap hill that's a famous shot i'm gonna go shoot that i walk outside and gray skies i'm like that's not gonna happen so we had um i had tickets for the uh grandstand over the pits mm-hmm. uh, because i wanted to be able to stand and look down and watch them change um change tires do fuel blah blah uh so i went and did that there's about 150 people awake at the entire track so you know you didn't have the 325,000 people did elbowing you did it seem surreal with it was, nobody up it was the moment i wanted it was <laughs> uh <laughs> as a spectator i had my moment the night before and we'll talk about it a little bit as a photographer but it was just that moment i wanted it was me 150 awake fans there's no one shoving no one yelling no one trying to get something to eat in your way it was just you the track and the business of racing. And it was glorious. I got there right at the end of a stint. Uh, mm-hmm. A stint is about 45 to an hour period where um, they only can carry that much fuel. And then they have to come in, refuel, so change tires. Yeah. And so pretty much everybody's hitting pits within a couple of lots of each other. And so they're constantly coming in. I have the cars not coming in the pit, going down the front straight, and they're going from you know eighty coming out of the Fort Chicane up to about one ninety on the front straight. So they're full full throttle. It's still dark enough. You're seeing the fire coming out of the exhaust, and oh, wow. and you're not having all this chitter chatter. So you can hear the turbos, and you can hear the, like the purity of the car, and you're getting the canyon effect from the grandstands on both sides, and you know you've got that going there, and you've got the Iron Dames with their pink RSR right below you doing a tire. It's just perfect because you like you can hear everything like they're doing the tire changing you hear them drop the lug nut like it's this experience you don't get at any other like six hour or indie race because you have the crowd yeah and it was just you and the cars uh so that that was the moment as a spectator for me you said it was overcast when you got up has there been a lamar in recent history that didn't have rain um, I would have to look that up. To my knowledge, it rains every stinking year, doesn't it? Uh, there was one, maybe it was nineteen. There was one decently recent that was stupid hot and dry. But I would say out of a hundred, out of ninety-two runnings, probably ninety times it's rained. And the weird thing, once again, Le Mans is huge. You have to remember that, and it has a weird geography around it. So Do you get different patches of weather. You have to. It's not really that unusual for a storm to come through Mazlan or Arnarge and not come through Le Mans. So you're you need to be on rain tires for part of the track and and Drives slicks for the, for the rest of it. And that happened early in the race. We had um, hours two, three, and four. Uh, Pujo with their weird nine X three, I think nine X three prove their design was superior in the rain because it was raining the ferraris and the porsches were going everywhere in the pujos um 
they uh, for those that don't know, Pujo dropped the wing off the back of the car. They did a really sophisticated floor design, kind of like an F1 car, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, through the car aerodynamics to bring down force. Well, in the rain, they sucked down the road, basically became a vacuum car, for lack of a better word, and they dominated for a long time. They made some mistakes late in the race, lost their position. Ferrari and Toyota got back in front of them. But they really proved that this design two, three years from now may be a monster. Anyways, but yeah, it almost always rains at Le Mans. <laughs> you, you also said that you had your your time as a spectator early the next morning, but you'd had your your shot as a photographer the day before. What yeah. was it? So it always rains at Le Mans. I say that with a smile. You can't see me. I hope you can hear that smile. So we did our helicopter. We went up the helicopter about nine o'clock, um, did a lap. And when we landed, for those that don't know, it's sunset in Le Mans this time of year is about nine thirty to 10 o'clock. Whoa. So really late, really late. It's, uh, people don't think about how far North France is. Um, so we get out of the helicopter and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go shoot sunset down the front straight and the front side of Dunlop. And, but I told her that before we got in the helicopter and we're up in the helicopter and guess what? Star clouds rode in. Uh oh. And so I grabbed my gear. I'm like, I'm going to shoot anyways. I only get one. I only get quote unquote yeah. one sunset during this race. Right. So I go down. Uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to Dunlop. It's a boring shot without beautiful light. I'm going to stay at the Ford chicane exiting onto the front straight. And I pull up my camera and I'm like, I'm only going to shoot telephoto. So I left and I wanted to run light. So I left my wide. And about third click in, it starts raining. Oh, no. And um, um, rain is good. We like rain. Um, so um, I rented for this trip a Sony uh, A1 and a Sony 7200, which are both weather sealed. Okay. You don't oh. need rain sleeves. But you don't what, care. It's uh-huh. raining. What I'm imagining, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, is you've got setting sun, so you've got light, but rain's coming down, and you're getting the light and the rain on the cars on the track. I wish I had setting sun. The sun was blocked. Oh. But I have gray skies, and I have nice, beautiful, diffused light through those clouds. And I have hypercars that have incredible downforce, which means they throw water forever behind them. And then I have cars behind them lighting said fishtail. And I've got the brand new Porsche bridge in the background that was built for 2023. I've got the Porsche Center with the 2023 livery of all the different livery colors. It kind of looks like a rainbow. This is why I get him passes to everything. In the background. And it's raining on me. And it's this Le Mans. Like, it's just that moment of human versus machine versus nature versus we're six hours into this. And these, these drivers are tired and they're on slicks because this is the only part of the track that's oh. raining on it. This started raining. It wasn't supposed to come in. So they didn't have time to change. So things are squirrely. Things are squirrely. I'm staying three inches from the wall. They're driving two inches <laughs> on the other side of the wall. And like they're coming in and like when they hit it to go on the straight, they're getting really close to that wall because <laughs> it's wet and they're not on rain tires. And it's just perfect because you have that come like, when you have that rain, like the, for whatever reason, some drivers le- loosen up. Some drivers actually really like the rain. They hammer it because mm-hmm. like that's where they specialize in. So you start getting weird, uh, groupings of cars again. They group back up. And so you've got, you know, with the double chicane with the 490s going on to the front straight of the four chicanes, like you get this really compact. So you wind up with a car in the front ground. So the photo, which will be posted with this, is. You've got the Glicken house in the front ground. You've got a, I believe it's an Aston Martin lighting his fishtail for him. In the background, you've got an LMP2. And behind that, you've got the 962 in the background, the Porsche bridge. And so you get this depth that you just can't get anywhere else on the track. And you have all this rain environment, too. It's just, And we get this uh, picture, and Porsche doesn't have it. Something else that you've you've mentioned a lot, you've talked about a lot already, but there's more to is what is the difference between being just being a spectator and having media access or media credentials? So the the easiest, uh, the funnest difference, um, which people don't really fully enjoy, I don't think, 
is I don't stand in line. <laughs> so when when you walk up and there's 200 people in line scanning in to get in, you you don't stand in line. You don't get your bag checked. You don't put up that crap. When when you want to go into the paddock and there's a line with all these people with paddock passes, you don't stand. This is the ultimate. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, beyond that is realistically um, the big advantage is you can go anywhere on the track. Um, there are areas or are designated red zones that you can't stop in. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, three years ago, a Aston Martin literally drove through there. Um, <laughs> in while coming apart in pieces. Um, but you can go anywhere. Um, you don't have um, you don't have a fence. You have jersey barriers that will. They aren't going to stop it. The goal is when they hit it is they will flip over and land behind you. <laughs> That's comforting. Um, <laughs> wow, man, it's a butt pucker. And yeah. um, also kind of shield you from the debris. Like it becomes kind of a shield. Um, the problem with those, uh, with photographers, and you do this with war photographers or anybody else, um, we forget that we're there. Oh. Um. So what happens is, um, and this is one reason I spectate and spectated and shot, is your focus on documenting, and it becomes a different world that you're sure. observing. And so you see war photographers as well. Um, they'll will wind up places a lot more dangerous, and then we'll put our camera down and go, "Why the fuck am I?" <laughs> i'm going to find somewhere better to stand <laughs> i hope my mother doesn't see me on any news coverage yeah, did, did they paint a target on my vest <laughs> uh, but no it was really cool um so yeah i got to walk pretty much from pit out all the way around the track um with no no one other than other photographers and uh race marshals in my way there's a couple areas you have to go out into the forest and back in on the uh, Mosline Strait because the trees are literally against the barrier. Yeah. There's not a safe way to get past them. Well, um, and uh, for those who don't know the track well, think about Mosline. There's there's a little hill in it. Yep. And years ago, that's the hill that you saw the CLK GTRs do gainers coming yep. off of and fly into the trees. And those are the trees he's talking about along Mosline. You said you only slept for a few hours. Yep. I'm guessing just adrenaline and the thrill of being there. And how, um, how surreal was it? Okay, I, I can answer that. I can answer that. Um, what's your favorite concert you've ever been to? Rolling Stones a few years ago at Arrowhead. Okay. How many? Just guess. I, I don't need a specific number. How many people were there? It was full. 70,000. So 70,000. 70,000 people were Rolling Stones. How many of that 70,000 would you say would have went regardless of what the ticket price was? I paid four figures to get the two tickets. Yeah. But how many other people there of that 70,000 do you think? Maybe 10,000 overall would have done something like that? I'd be surprised if it was that many, but okay. maybe. Okay. Now imagine you had 325,000 people. Like that. It, that it's, there's that an energy. Could, that could tell you the displacement and the, uh, and the material <laughs> of every car on the track. Yeah. That so, could tell you the history of the 962 and why it's not really a Porsche. There's an energy. There's a vibe. That is the level of surrealness of the 24 hours. Okay, Le Mans. I get it. And what's really cool is you get to go go karting and ride a Ferris wheel on a <laughs> helicopter and, and do all this stuff with these people. Oh. And you have Germans that normally are jerks. Not all Germans, the ones that were there that will loan you loan you stuff or a guy that owns an aston martin will let you borrow it because he's too drunk and he's right back to his hotel like these are guys and gals it's a brotherhood like it's unlike anything okay it's a like, family yeah. like imagine three hundred twenty-five thousand swifties at the same place that aren't spending mommy and daddy's money <laughs> <laughs> all righty uh, you've mentioned this several times, and you and I had this conversation while you were still there. You've mentioned helicopters. Yeah. Uh, I, I want you to talk about the helicopter traffic that's going oh, on around God. the track. So, um, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Um, so the um, Hydrate, which is the helicopter company that does it, and that they're a phenomenal company. Uh, Helene is a, a a wonderful, beautiful person. If you ever need a helicopter in France, uh, send me an email. I'll get you connected with her. She's she's amazing. Um, there's more behind that story, but moving on. Um, so at any time, so they had 16 
not counting VIP helicopters, they had 16 spectator helicopters. Any time they had between 8 and 12 of those in the air doing laps over the track. Um, they also had two that were exclusively, and now I didn't know about this until it was too late, exclusively contractable by media to go over. So the the tourists did the outside. You could, um, media could have contracted to like hover over the start finish line and mm-hmm. done some. I didn't realize, didn't know that was an option until after it was too, already booked out. And then they also have, I think, eight helicopters that are dedicated to VIPs to carry on back and forth to ch- chateaus, do private tours over the track. And so, so a lot of air traffic, a lot of air traffic. Well, and we're not done. Uh, so that that's the um, human, if you will, side, civilian side of it. Oh, no drones. Oh, um, God. So at the start of the race, um, um, normally they use a uh, I, I don't know the term. I apologize to all the military people. Uh, well, I call a people carrier helicopter. So mm-hmm. a helicopter, you uh, transport a transport that you can uh, repel down and so forth uh, to carry um Three marine, four marines, three armed, one with the flag. Uh, this year, those individuals were also uh, that helicopter was escorted with their version of like a Apache. Oh boy! There was a pair of those for that. And then when um, throughout the race at random times, their version of like a F sixteen would come over with full afterburners. And so you'd be listening to the race and thought, think you're deaf, and then all of a sudden you realize you could still hear things. No. <laughs> <laughs> when everything started vibrating, because they were doing about 200 feet off the ground, full afterburner uh, flyovers. Like, it literally sh- shook everything. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of air traffic over the traffic. You've, you've talked about a lot of cool things that went on and a lot of stuff that you couldn't believe. What were your favorite moments of the race, aside from the things you got to shoot? Um, obviously, the morning, um, I got to finish the race. Um, so instead of finishing the spectac- uh, uh, hospitality suite, I was finished with the the peasants. <laughs> no, that, that's rude. I don't mean that. No, I wanted to finish. Yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> uh, I wanted to finish amongst the crowd. I, I, I draw, I enjoy energy from crowds, like big, excited crowds. So we finished um, standing at the back of the audience at the um, the grandstands over the pits. I got to finish it with my wife and my cousin Alex that came over. Um, that I somehow or another conned into giving a ticket. I don't really know how that worked. Anyway, moving on. Um, that was a really cool moment. Um, this walking around at 2 a.m., um, people still up partying, still you know at the techno tent, still watching the race, still getting drunk. And really at 2 a.m., uh, traditionally the crap – Crowds, crowds pretty empty by then. There's easily still a hundred thousand people awake and watching the race. Unbelievable. Um, and then my very favorite moment, and all the Ferrari fans will hate me for this. Good. I don't know if you watched the race, <laughs> um, but about I'm going to say about 15 minutes before the race. Well, about 45 minutes to 15 minutes till the end of the race. Uh, Ferrari and Porsche, I mean Ferrari and Toyota, Toyota being behind, were half a second apart mm-hmm. uh we we had a 30 minute battle uh from 45 minutes to 15 minutes in the race and coming uh, i believe it was coming out of arnage the toyota made a mistake and spun and lost about two minutes and fell behind the ferrari so that that that's where we are right toyota's mm-hmm. two minutes and 15 seconds behind the ferrari we're coming in and unfortunately um the way the stints worked out is everybody needs fuel yeah so the Ferrari comes in, the Toyota comes in. Well, the Ferrari comes in, the Toyota had already came in um, because he came in after he spun, checked tires, make sure. sure there weren't punctures, blah, blah, blah. Um, the Ferrari pulls in. When they're fueling, they have to kill the cars. These are hybrid cars, just in case you don't know. The, so we have electric uh, motors and we have. And the uh, Ferrari went to start. And 325,000 people did just what you did when the Ferrari (laughs) didn't start. And to try again, they have to cycle the computer. The computer takes 60 seconds to cycle. Oh, man. The Ferrari doesn't start. So they got to cycle it again. So they've got to cycle it again. Um, It started the next time. So they pulled out with a minute 15. But there was a moment that all of us rooting for Toyota to prove, you know, the last five years wasn't a, a, a fluke. fluke would actually win the hundredth running Ferrari started. They finished the race. They won. 
Uh, but Toyota definitely proved that their design was good enough to compete against real manufacturers um, on the world stage after so, the last five years of really not having competition. So all of this excitement, all of this, all of this monumental occasion, everything going on, and it's not the only race you covered while you were there. Oh, oh Lord, no. No, no. So we, we were on the ground 32 days. Uh, the reason we were on the ground 32 days is because – they do something very special every other every other year, and they did a special one for the hundredth. They do the Le Mans Classic, which is which is eight hundred cars that either raced or could have raced, um, and still meet original spec requirements <laughs> at Le Mans. We, uh, unfortunately, there were no overall winners racing this year because they were all on display. All of them that were willing to come to Europe were on display in the museum. But we did still get monsters of historical past. Um, the 74 RSR 2.1 was I, on I, A course. personal favorite of yours. Um, I may or may not have licked a tire when they weren't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> there is very limited proof one way or the other uh, of my innocence. But, yeah, so I covered that as well. And I covered that purely as a spectator with, a, once again, a hospitality because – um, mainly my wife doesn't do good in big crowds. She needs somewhere to escape to. So okay. we do the hospitality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so with that, we had, um, we had the pre pit, um, hospitality. So we was able to go into the lineup before they move out in the pit. And so, you know, there's 50,000 people taking pictures cause they drive to the pre pit. So all excited. I'm staying in the middle with the marshals and waving at them. Um, I'm guessing you had your credentials and all that good stuff. Oh, uh, so for this, I did pure uh, credentials off of being a spectator of hospitality. I did not credential into the Le Mans classic because I just wanted to enjoy it. Okay. Um, I did shoot some, but mainly, um, the beautiful thing about Le Mans Classic, though, aren't the cars on the track. Um, as much as I would like to say that's the most wonderful thing about Le Mans Classic, it's a four-day festival. Okay, play along here. Uh, four <laughs> days, this dedicated to these historic, beautiful, a lot of them one-of-a-kind, one-of-ones or one-of-twos. Uh, some of them are one-of-fives, but the other four destroy cars well, that are worth more than everybody in this room will make. And. Ped was sending me little video clips of him walking around outside in the parking lot. Yeah, that's where I'm going. So um, for those that haven't been to a classic car race or a big car race, uh, they do what's called car paddocks, which are usually like a car club gets an area of a parking lot or an area of the track that's all, you know, the Porsche club of the Cimarron Porsche club. And they're all Porsches from northeast Oklahoma. Well, we have that Le Mans Classic, but it's a Le Mans Classic. It's the only place. Well, the only time of year that you can see classic cars run on the full Le Mans circuit. Yeah. And so it's special, even though the guys that, guys and gals that run it are incompetent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said that out loud. I apologize. Uh, that's a story on its own that I'm not going to share details on on, on air. Um, anyways, so uh, they had 9,300. I'll say that again. 9,300 cars in the car paddocks. I spent all day Thursday and Friday walking around going, holy shit, that's a, I've never seen that. What the hell is that? Uh, I spent more time on, I had to go buy a battery pack so I could Google what cars are. (laughs) Ped sent me video clips from the paddocks. There were more Corvettes there than you see at your average Corvette only show here. Yeah, there was easily... So there was the Corvette Club of, I don't know if it's Europe, France, Paris, whatever. Holland. Holland. They probably had 120, 130 Corvettes there. Wow. They're, the GT40 enthusiasts had probably 80 GT40s, three oh sixes, three or four oh sixes, and probably eight or 10 of the 2016, 2017, 2018 GTs. I mean, this, the concentration was, okay, Lotus Club had over 300 Lotuses. Lots of trouble, usually serious. Yeah. And so <laughs> what's really cool about that, though, isn't the fact that you have every color of Lotus Elise. That is cool. But what happens when you have that many Lotuses in one spot? You have that guy that owns a Lotus Elise and a Spree, a Lawn, but he also owns the prototype Elise. Yeah. And he's going to show how big his thingy is, and he shows up with his prototype. So you get all these really cool cars that are this parked. That nobody has ever seen. No, No barriers. So you're walking oh. through the Morgan Club, and the husband brought the Morgan, but the wife brought the Lancia Stratus. 
And you're like, I've never seen one of these in the wild. I've seen them at auctions. I've never seen one drove down the street. I'm like, Brett. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was a fluke, dude. From a long way away, I thought it was a Pantera. Yeah. So anyway, so there's just cars like that everywhere. There's Renault R5s, uh, turbos. There's um, Stratuses. There's, you name it, microcars. There's microcars I've never heard of. There's You got um, a new wish list? I have a new list, wish list, and, and it's, it's not affordable, guys. It's just not. It's ridiculous. It never is. Yeah, I like it. It just got worse. And um, But, yeah, so Le Mans Classic, obviously, uh, from my earlier comment, I don't like the organizers. Um, but outside of that, it's a beautiful event. I'd recommend anybody going to it. Um, I'd recommend hospitality so you can escape the crowd. There was 250,000 people at the Le Mans Classic. massive race. Arguably the most attended Harridges race in the world. Um, but yeah, it's just spectacular. And then you go and you watch, you know, the 24, uh, runner up to the 24 Le Mans do laps at speed. Like you just can't beat that type of race. It's food was good. Um, I don't recommend hospitality at the Le Mans classic for the food. I do recommend it at, um, the 24 hour, um, different chefs. Speaking of food, you were there for a month. You covered two races. Uh-huh. You spent several days at the beginning of the month, and then a handful of days at the end of the month. But that leaves a lot of month where you weren't covering races. What else did you do? Where else did you go? I ate French food. Mm. <laughs> I ate so much French food. So um, well, and and we should preface this by saying, for months before you went on this trip. You walked incredible distances every day. You ran races. You lost a ton of weight. So, yeah, when I went to France, I was 70 pounds down. I did a bunch of training. So one of the goals when I was in in France was to never wake up with sore legs. I did that. Didn't you do a half marathon before you went? I I, I did a 50K, which is 32 miles, which is longer than a marathon. Unbelievable. Uh, But anyways, um, so, yeah, we ate like kings. Uh, Every morning we went to bakeries in paris we spent 18 days in between give or take uh based out of paris we went to normandy uh did the beach tours went to the american cemetery uh saw my ancestor on the wall uh we went to i'm gonna say this wrong i apologize to roland ruin roland anyways it's in the wow. normandy uh normandy area they had armada roland which is one of the t- largest tall ship festivals in the world so they had galleon, like Spanish galleons on display. And oh when they God. left, they did a full broadside from the cannons. And that was amazing. <laughs> um, the Paris Air Show was there while we, so we went to that. Um, my wife did some classes of the Cordon Bleu. We, of course, went to Louvre. Um, and because oh. I don't stand in lines, um, uh, anybody that's going to Paris, get a Louvre membership. They'll send you your card. You walk up, you flash it. You don't stand in line. Ped's almost as patient as I am. Yeah, and and, and, and it's not expensive. I mean, you're, you're paying two grand to get Europe. Um, it costs seventeen person to get into the Louvre. Costs one hundred thirty for a family pass, and you don't stand in line. There you go. You don't get a time ticket. You walk up, you show it, and you're in the building. We went to Louvre. We went to D'Orsay. Went to the Catacombs. Pierre Lachaise went and saw Jimmy um, Morrison's grave. Chopin's. Mm. Uh, we went up to Sacred Core, which is a beautiful Muslim. Um, also, uh, it, it's a uh, uh, basilica, but it's done in like a Moorish style, so it doesn't look like a classical Gothic um, French church. Whatever you're thinking, it's off. It it's was off. a Sacre Coeur's life. <laughs> yeah. There's a little one next to it. Not that um, bad. <laughs> you were so Branson. So, yeah. And I mean, and like I said, we went, uh, there was, uh, we went out to Versailles. We had breakfast at Versailles. Uh, Alan Dacoste has a wonderful uh, Le Grand uh, Control restaurant in a hotel that's on the grounds of Versailles. Uh, I, If I'd known we would stayed there, I didn't know until it was too late and they were booked and yeah. ungodly expensive. But everything else was, so who cares? Par for the course. Went to Milan uh, Rouge. Went to Crazy Horse. <sighs> uh, Crazy Horse over Milan Rouge. If you, only, if you only can do one, Crazy Horse is by far the better show. Don't tell him I said that. I won't be allowed back in France. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Lon Rouge is a, a cultural icon. Had uh, Eddie was in town, so we had uh, for part of it we had dinner with them. Uh, Cousin Eddie? No, good no, friends. This, this, this friend. this other is, Eddie. Got Ed, Eddie Hall, and he's on some very incredible cars, and Ped shot a lot of them. I had I had my first beer in Le Mans. 
I had uh, my first absence, which I'm saying it wrong, but absence, uh, wormwood absence, like true absence. The real one. Yeah. Real one while we were, yeah. uh, actually we did, a, I'm kind of proud of this, we did three rounds. Oh, damn. And, like, that's uh, too wow. much licorice for me. I, I've tried um, them. I've even done the burning thing and the sugar cube and the whole that. I will tell you about the third one. It really doesn't, it doesn't taste matter. like licorice. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, I stole my sugar comb, the comb that you put on top of your um, goblet while the water drips through the sugar. I uh-huh. still have that. It's on my shelf along with the... Uh, Apparently, when I drink, I steal because I have the cup that I drank my first beer out of <laughs> oh <my God>. as <laughs> well. <laughs> the cash register. For those who don't know, Penn is a hardcore teetotaler, does not drink alcohol, period. And apparently, you violated that while you were on vacation. Yeah, this is it all. Well, it's tradition. You drink. Uh, uh, so, there's a bar at the um, Tetra Rouge corner outside of the, outside the track. And it's tradition. You go out there and you have steak frites and a beer. That's this part of the experience so when in rome there you go um do as the parisians do so i i think i've matured enough to have alcohol every once in a while well you're 38 you're yeah. all right yeah i don't know you're shoplifting yeah i'm stealing by the way two hot wheels and a pair of socks throw by, a pack of gum throw a little liquor in him watch what goes missing yeah i was about to say this is a warning to anyone that thinks it's smart to get paid drunk your shit will be gone <laughs> Um, but there'll be some good pictures. There yeah, will be some be good great pictures. pictures. Um, but yeah, so uh, we wandered all over Paris. We we wandered out of Paris. Um, we ate um, everything from street food, uh, crepes and hot dogs, uh, quote unquote hot dogs. I'm guessing uh, they're a little different. Uh, well, I was dumb enough. I think they're called Andalini when I ordered it. And I, I was thinking like the sausage. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So that's uh, pig intestine stuff with pig intestine. It looks oh. like a horse cock. God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> it's actually quite good. It's kind of chewy. Um, Wilbur. Will, um, but we had street food. We did a bunch. And then we wandered through a bunch of different Michelin star uh, restaurants. And, uh, we mainly did horse. expensive lunch. And some days lunch was an hour. And some days it was two hours. And some days it was three hours. And some days four hours in, they're like, this is your third dessert. And uh, we've got another surprise for you. Don't worry. It's and called like, dinner. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> we, we, let's just wrap this right into dinner, guys. I'm, I'm good. Let's just keep going. Um, but yeah, one restaurant we had, uh, one, two, three, four, five rounds of dessert. Oh, my God. Plus coffee. Oh, wow, that's and a we would have had, special. And we would have had cheese, but I told him no. Quoi? <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> were. Uh, we it's were, enough and enough's enough, and my lower intestines giving me the F toe. So yeah. um, <laughs> it's long enough that you've did completely digested part of the meal by the time you finish the meal. Um, Let me make some room. Yeah, I think it was 15 or 16 courses. So, Good. oh my wow. God. Wow. Now, they weren't huge. Like, they weren't ridiculous. Like, you didn't leave and feel like you needed to throw up because you were overstuffed. But you were definitely satiated for like the next 24 hours. It's the new restaurant for bulimics, the Fork and Bucket. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, we did Disneyland. Did Disney Paris where Minnie Mouse has hairy legs. <laughs> I was in Paris for 18 days. Oh, oh, yeah. There's yeah. only so, so many museums and naked women dancing to go see. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll take that challenge. <laughs> I could get at least 15 out of the naked chicks. Um, so we did the aquarium. We You're did back. A bunch of food. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We we explored a lot. Um, I wish we would have had time. Wish we would have took the time. Uh, lavender. The lavender fields were blooming in promenade, so we didn't oh, want get. We didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize it would be blooming that time of year, so I didn't make time for that in the schedule. Um, well, you got a reason to go back. I, now. I think yeah. you did okay. Yeah, we did yeah, okay. I think you, you did all right. All right. Um, now, usually we get to the end of an interview. And I'm asking you, what's the dumbest thing you've done in a car? But you and I have had that conversation more than a couple of times. Uh, what's the dumbest thing you did while you were in France? So uh, the dumbest thing I'm willing to let my mother hear about. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you guys we saw. We were in Crazy Horse. Uh, we were in Crazy Horse. And I brought half of the showgirls back. No. Uh, just, just the bottom half. I, it was I, really weird. Uh, I, I stole their legs. Yeah. I did not take enough money to France for that. Um, but no. So uh, I don't know if you've seen the news. There was rioting. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the end of June, early July in Paris. There was a police interaction with a teenager at a traffic stop. Um, and they shot him. And they shot and killed him. There's um, 
while there's different rules for the French police and there are the American police and in a non a non-compliant situation and a non-supplemental life-threatening situation, they're not allowed to use lethal force. Mm. Uh, so um, there was riots. I'm not going to argue whether or not that's right or wrong. That's up to yeah, you yeah, and your yeah. politics. But that's um, there was riots about police brutality um, and Paris. And uh, there's parts of Paris that probably still look like micro um, war zones from the mal- uh interaction between teenagers and police. Uh, so that we weren't there. We were luckily back in Le Mans when that was happening. But they shut down all mass transit at 9 p.m. across France. Wow. Uh, because there was there were protests in other cities they there weren't riots uh, so like in Le Mans in the Re- Republic Square uh, there were uh, what I call speech giving so you had a large group of people and then people took turns giving speeches about the brutality of the police which was what was really cool about it is like the p- police were on hand in that situation they didn't interact with them they just made sure they didn't cause trouble yeah. which was a perfect interaction in my experience. You wind up with a situation, the uh, Le Mans Classic is a 24-hour event. Um, so if you leave, the last train out was 8.15. There's a lot of backstory. I apologize. Um, <laughs> on Saturday night, and my car hadn't ran at night yet. The car I really wanted to see race at night. So I'm, I sent my wife back. And I'm like, I'll walk back. It's five miles. It'll be 2 o'clock in the morning. They have really strict drink, uh, drinking and driving laws here. Not a problem. And so I'm walking back. It's two o'clock in the morning. Um, and I'm walking up the tram lines because that's not how I know how to get home. And I get to the top of that and the tram lines come into the middle of the road, right? And mm-hmm. so you have, uh, and I move over the sidewalk because, because I don't be walking in the middle of the road. Strict drinking and driving laws, not absolute drinking and driving laws. Um, and I make about 100 feet on the sidewalk. This guy pulls up and asks Martin, I don't do English accent very well, but basically what happened was is, Hey, where are you going? Uh, I'm walking to my apartment. Uh, you want to ride? Only if I can drive. Why? Because you're drunk. Fair. Uh, <laughs> so I wound up. Uh, so the dumbest thing I, I did in France and arguably in a car, but Aston Martin, uh, was drive a drunk guy back to this hotel. Um uh, I have no clue what his name was. Did you get the candy and the free not, puppy? I have I have no clue. I'm not completely stupid. I have to see the candy first. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even sure it was the right hotel, but it was the hotel that was really close to my apartment. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's the hotel name he gave me, but he, he was, he, yeah, and he was too drunk to correct me. That plus standing about two inches from the wall when it was raining and the cars were coming by and getting squirrely. I mean, that was... But she's she's used to that part of the story. Yeah, but you so. got a good picture out of it. I got cool pictures out of Well, there you go. I'm looking forward to seeing this. Me too. And we will have those along with the, uh, the post of the show and also on social media. You got to check those out. We have been speaking with Ped Watt of Watt Design Photography. Ped, take a second. Tell us where we can find you online and on social media. Everywhere worth going. No, um, <laughs> in seriousness, uh, com and Facebook and Instagram. And I think that's it. Yeah, you're I have not a, on Twitter. I never find you there. I, I, I wouldn't wander in Twitter with a 10-foot pole anymore. Uh, too many headaches. Or I'm definitely not on threads. There don't don't look on threads. I, I'm too lazy to set up another social media account. <laughs> Ted, thank you, as always, for being with us. And, uh, man, I'm glad you're home. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad, glad you're here. home. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners and our friends who travel internationally Yay! and take lots of cool pictures. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. You can also find us on LinkedIn as Driven Radio Show Podcast. And speaking of podcasts, you can find us everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Mark L. Groves yep. and Ped Watt. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.